Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You know when you're sniffly and you can't breathe through your nose, so you breathe just through your mouth? The show's like that. It's like breathing through your mouth and then tasting the world on your tongue and then closing your mouth and then swallowing the goodness of the world and then um, not choking and then being at one with the universe. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Porter. Hello, ho, ho. Hello, ho, ho. Does that make it Christmassy? I think that would do. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Uh, there we go. We're done with that. Yeah. Um, it's the last podcast of the year. It We're going to be off for a couple of weeks now and back in January. But Merry Christmas to you and yours. Uh, what do you want for Christmas? What do I want? Mm. Uh, peace and love and goodwill. I don't know. What am I supposed to mean? You mean something material? Or... What do you mean peace and love and goodwill will do it? Yeah, I'll just do a peace and love. I would like a job as a hand model. Oh, like, really? What? Why? You're looking at my hands and thinking... What did you do? Did you see my eyes glance out? You have many, many strengths, both physically and mentally. <laughs> Your hands are one of them. Sorry. Oh, God, have I said something rude? You look no, upset. No, no, no. I've told you before. Like, so I, I, I never thought about my hands. And then when I got together with my wife, she... She pointed out that I have horrible little hands. They're not horrible. No, I think they are horrible. No, they're not horrible. They're just not the standard of hand model. But I think I could be a hand model. And do you want to know who I think I could be a hand model for? Who? Curly Whirly. So do you not feel like lots of people are always talking about how curly whirlies have shrunk? <laughs> like loads of stand-up wheels. comedians are like, hey, have you ever noticed how, um, how curly whirlies aren't as big as they used to be? Yeah, wagon wheels as well. So what I could do is I could be a hand model for... Um, for any any chocolates that have, or anything that has shrunk, you know, yeah. anything that due to economic factors has had to get smaller over the years, I could be the hand model. I, th- I actually think that's a good idea. Why don't you send a photograph of yourself <laughs> and your hand with all your measurements, your exact measurements, and tell them your idea? I'll do that. I'll do. Yeah. Have you ever done any seasonal work for Christmas? I uh, have, yeah. I've worked in the post office for a couple of weeks. How was that? Uh, it was good, yeah. It was fun. I got to sort the first class and the second class mail. Did you, did, yeah, did yeah. you feel like you were perpetuating the class system oh, in doing that? I yeah. did, did, yeah, yeah. yeah. What about you? Uh, I'm glad you're asking. Because <laughs> <laughs> I remembered, I've not talked about this for ages. There was this one Christmas when I first started on the radio where I just had no money and I was being paid £20 a show or something and the other DJs were getting up to £50 a show. And, you know, I'd complain about it and the boss would say, well, you're young. Right. Yeah, I'm young. Yeah. Um, so there was this one Christmas where I was really desperate for money and I went and asked for an extra £5 a show. And he said, no, but um, I've got a way you can earn some extra money if you want. Right. I said, what is it? He said, well, we're doing a road show in Stockport Shopping Precinct mm-hmm. every Saturday in December. I thought, oh, this is great. I get to host the road show, get on stage, play a few games. Um, but that's not what he asked me to do. He, it was 1992. Two, I think it might have even been ninety three, and at the time, Mister Blobby was very popular, and they'd managed to find a fancy dress shop in Stockport that had a Mister Blobby costume, and he asked if I would go down to the road show every Saturday in December and dress as Mister Blobby and hand hand out window stickers to children. Oh God. And I did. Right. I mean, it's not so good that bad because people won't know it's you. So right. You're so, so, away. So, so firstly, it was the worst oh. Mr. Blobby costume 
you've ever seen. So it was a cheap knockoff. It it didn't. If you think about Mr. Blobby, he's sort of round, right? Yeah, he's yeah, got a yeah. big belly. But this thing, it didn't have any kind of frame on the inside. It was just made out of a fabric. It was made like out of what? It was a what, drape, yeah, it what looked like a cheap rug. <laughs> you know, like a faux fur rug. Oh. Um, so it looked like Mr. Blobby had been on like a very extreme weight loss program, right? Uh, but the skin was still hanging oh, loose you saggy. know that sometimes happens yeah 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 so there was that mm. so it was barely recognizable as mr blobby it was the right colors it was pink and yellow and it was made out of this faux fur fabric right. and then the other thing was so mr blobby you know, being a, a professional television prop yeah or costume you know it's, it's eyes look like eyes yeah, yeah in this one it looked like the type of eye holes you see in a ku klux klan mask <laughs> like they just cut round oh god so what happened was when I bent over to give a window sticker to a child, they would see a man inside and just start crying. Oh, no. Because it was traumatising to them. They thought Mr Blobby had eaten somebody. <laughs> and yet still he wasn't putting on any weight. It's the person that sometimes gets in touch with you, but then you don't talk to them very often because you're just like busy. And it's not that you don't like them. It's just that you don't like them that much. So you just kind of lose touch and uh, go adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. It's time for the final time this year to hear from you. I think Annabelle and I would agree that your stories are our favourite part of the podcast. So thank you to you for sending them in uh, throughout 2018. And I hope we hear more from you in 2019. How's, uh, how's the Christmas card correspondence bag looking, Annabelle? <laughs> it's not a very festive theme, sorry. But... Do you not mean it's bulging? I guess, well, that's not what you wanted me to say. Oh, it's bulging. There we go, for old time's sake, yeah. for the old radio show listeners. Um, but not festive. We dis- we made a decision. Let's not make this festive theme. No. Because we didn't think about it in advance. No, yeah. no, because people listen to it all different times of that's the year. That's right, Some yeah. Some people are very behind. Some people might come to it, say, in the summer. Yeah, this is like when Neighbours used to be in yes. a terrible lag and you'd get the Christmas episodes in and the I middle of the summer. I always hated that. It was yes. totally wrong. Yes. So that's why we decided yeah. not to do it. And that's why we've not got jingle bells on all the little oh, idents and bits of music. Yeah, that used to drive you mad on the radio it. show. It's just irritating. I used to send our producer, into, Gareth, into a studio with some sleigh bells <laughs> and get him to jingle over the top of all the bits of music that we used. And Is it that would, how he did it? Yeah, he'd just no. sit there jingling over the top of it. Yeah. Oh, wow. I know. That was dedication. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Annabelle. So, yes. so what have we got first? This is from Imperial Lady Carly Reed. I was at an art house cinema with a friend and quite early into the film, a kitten could be heard meowing. The film started with an apartment scene, so I thought the meowing was just part of the slightly artsy film. But the scene changed and the meowing continued. People around me were becoming agitated and annoyed with much muttering and some people even looking under their seats for a kitten. The meowing continued for the entire film and as soon as it ended, people either jumped up to look for the kitten or left angry at the disturbance. My friend was worried for the kitten and got the ushers involved in the search. Perhaps it was under the floor, the ushers concluded, after we failed to find any sign of the kitten. On our way out, I went to the bathroom. and To my surprise, the meowing was extremely loud and clear in my stall. I stared at my backpack in horror. I nervously unzipped it and there it was. The puppy and kitten picture book with sound I had bought for my niece that afternoon <laughs> with another item in the bag jammed up against the kitchen sound effect button. Next one's from Millie. Yep. I used to work as a music teacher in a school and grew very close to a number of students to the point where a few of them surprised me at my wedding with a beautiful rendition of Make You Feel My Love. I had what is often called a shotgun wedding and gave birth a few months later. My daughter is now three months old. She was sitting propped up on the sofa next to a pillow that says the Parker residence, a gift from one of the pupils who attended my wedding. She was in a very happy mood, so I thought I'd snap a photo and send it to the pupil's family. I sent off the email and then went about my business. Whilst my daughter was napping, I, like the stupidly proud parent I am, was scrolling through my gallery looking at the pictures. It was then that I saw it. In the top corner of this lovely little picture that I'd sent to a lovely middle-class family with three precocious children who I taught music to was our little coffee table. And on said coffee table was an open box of condoms. (laughs) I was planning on visiting the school to show off my baby. Needless to say, this can never happen now. 
That is so weird, isn't it? That baby's three months old. <laughs> and there's some condoms in there. That is so weird. Yeah. So weird. <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah, it's impressive. And also, you know, it's just about, okay, but I mean, we can't risk this happening again. Yeah, well, true. Yeah, yeah true. Yeah. And, uh, and the final letter okay. of the year then. Yeah, for the year. Wow. I feel there's extra pressure on this now. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. And I, I apologise if I sounded a bit quiet during the first couple. I've been trying to stifle a cough. Oh, have some water. Have a bit I haven't of got tea. any. Oh, no, it's all gone yeah it's all gone there's no more it's all gone inside got no way of getting any more okay final one of the year is from ian hearing the special draw story last week and my ex having a virtually identical incident reminded me of this corker from my dim distant past this is a story in three parts part one we lived in a modern terrace in a thames valley town garages at the back big green at the front Five-foot brick walls between the gardens. This becomes important later. The neighbour, Merv, had been unemployed for some time, but had accepted a job distributing magazines to local newsagents. I'd worked in retail for 20 years plus and knew that WH Smith did all the magazine distribution in our local area, except for, well, you know the sort. One very wet afternoon, a couple of months later, my ex drove home from work to discover that his main distributor had dropped off all the stock outside Merv's garage and the outer boxes were soaked through. Knowing that the magazines could be at risk, she carried them into our summer house and proceeded to rip off the wet boxes to discover the filthiest smut she had ever seen. Thing is, once the cobble was off, there wasn't any harm in flicking through these, was there? Part two. When he sheepishly came to pick up the stock and was horrified to discover it was all open, my ex asked him why he'd ordered so little normal stuff that couples could look at together and so much of the hardcore stuff that, quite frankly, had no place in a stable relationship. (laughs) What became apparent was that Merv was ordering on a the harder the better theory and he admitted he had no idea and he was actually selling very little stock. Well, the next few months were hilarious. Merv would hand over new titles and my ex would tell him whether to order a few or a lot. (laughs) And she got it right far more times than he did. Wow. Part three, the party. We shared our wedding anniversary with with her maternal grandparents. So one summer's day, we got the big table set up in the garden for a big anniversary bash. Everybody was there. Her parents, her sister with her family, the grandparents, her dad's mum too, her aunts from Wales, her godmother, basically the whole side of her family. We had a fantastic time. The wine flowed, the food was great. As Merv had been out all day, the stereo was up quite loud. So when he arrived home, my ex shouted, Hi Merv, there's a glass of wine here if you want some, which was quite normal. Now, old people don't normally get up and help with the clearing up. So when laying the table, we had all the older relatives lined up on the side of the table nearest the dividing wall, completely invisible to Merv. And because old people don't normally join in with a conversation with a neighbour they don't know, they kept completely silent. Are you ready for what's coming here? Merv declines to come round for wine, but shouted over, No thanks, but can you take a look at these and see what you think? And launched about a dozen new titles over the wall onto what he thought was a vacated table. (laughs) Utter pandemonium occurred as my ex, in horror, watched as her father picked up a copy of 44 Plus. (laughs) Flick through, and on discovering that it was actually a magazine with far older models, gave her granddad a wink and passed it over, open on the geriatric centrefold with the line... There you go, she's about your age. <laughs> and that was the moment my ex had to explain to our whole family that she was doing the ordering for the neighbour's dirty magazine distribution <laughs> business. Mervin became Merv the Perv that day. And he never got the batch of new titles back as they all disappeared with her relatives. <laughs> Do you think there's anybody called Merv who at some point hasn't <laughs> been called Merv the Perv? I can't believe his name was Merv. <laughs> I don't, maybe he called himself Merv because he like, knew he was a perv. Like his only, name was really David. The only Merv I've ever like, heard of, and it's not somebody I know personally, but like in, in extended circles, was known as Merv the Perv. Of course, yeah. I mean, that said Mervyn King, the former governor of the Bank of England. Oh, I called him Merv. <laughs> Didn't you? I also love that. There's, excuse me, a magazine forty four plus yeah. seems very specific, doesn't it? I'm too young for that. <laughs> I, I could be in it. It's the difference between me and you. Uh, if um, if you would like to share your story, we'd love that. Please email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. It's coming for you. Jeff Lloyd, Annabelle Port. Can you believe they just did that? Adrift.
Annabelle, it's time for your final story of the year. Yes. Uh, what are you going to be telling us about this week? Christmas. Yay. Oh, we are being festive after all. Although, actually, I'm not that crazy about Christmas. Come on. I, it's the most wonderful time know, of the year. I, one of, I go giddy. I know. And this is one of the things that I hate the most about myself, and I do genuinely hate this about myself, is that I don't trust adults who get too into Christmas. And I like think, what is wrong with me? Like Christmas is it is the most wonderful time of the year. It's about love and presents and family and parties and food and warmth and coziness and all these lovely things in the world. It all sounds great apart from parties. Yeah, I know. As I said that, I thought oh, I've, I've lost you there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the food, the yeah, food. Yeah, yeah. So why is it when I see an adult getting excited and buying a tree on the 1st of December and getting giddy, I just think, oh, come on. I hate that about myself. It's, I'm, and I'm gonna. I'm working on it. Okay, I'm working okay. on it because, of course, I love Christmas as a kid, and it's a cliche. But I do get it more now since there have been children again in my family. But I'm the youngest of my generation in pretty much my whole extended family, which probably explains a lot about me. And in between me not being a child anymore and my niece being born, there was a twenty year gap. So when I think of Christmas as an adult, I think of the Christmas when I was 37, divorced, child-free and spending Christmas night on my parents' sofa. And they bought a new sofa like right before Christmas, which was much smaller and harder than their last one. Who buys a new sofa before Christmas that is smaller? <laughs> I know from all the adverts, like when you, when you can get interest-free credit, they're supposed to get the bigger, comfier one if you're going to get one right before Christmas. Yeah, you can buy now and pay nothing till September. Exactly. Yeah. What are they doing? But obviously I did love Christmas as a child, despite there being no attempt at all by my parents to make it in any way magical. I was amazed when I discovered that other people's parents did the whole leaving out of a mince pie and a carrot and a tot of brandy for Father Christmas and the reindeers. Like, did your parents do that? Yes, I mean, not brandy, because I mean, nobody had brandy. Maybe a can of skull. <laughs> yeah, that's very nice, yeah. My, one of my friends, their dad even used to do a big snowy fr- footprint in the kitchen. Like to, to try and pretend that he just left one. It's a bit weird actually, just leaving. Why would you leave one footprint? Yeah, <laughs> one legged Santa. Yeah. How did they, they do it? Did they defrost the freezer and then just leave it there on the floor? Oh, I don't know. I thought, I guess maybe they used that that fake snow or something. That's nothing like snow. No, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they're not magical at all. But. In my house, like they they didn't pretend at all there was even a Father Christmas. Like The presents wouldn't magically appear on Christmas morning. There was no stocking. Once they bought the presents, they were wrapped and put under the tree, so from about mid-December onwards. But what I lost in the magic of Christmas was more than made up for by the hours of feeling the presents, trying to work out what they were. And one amazing year, my dad bought wrapping paper that was so cheap that it was actually see-through, which was wonderful. Like I spent the whole time <laughs> pressing it down, like trying to work out what exactly it said on that box. It wasn't cling film, was it? <laughs> it wasn't that see-through, no. It was just really, really thin. And if you pressed down hard enough, you could definitely make right, quite yeah, a lot yeah, of the yeah. words, like what it was. Oh, we got burgled once before Christmas. As I said before, we were always getting burgled. <laughs> and all the presents were laid out under the tree for the burglar, basically to take their pick. And the burglar went through them and opened them all, but then didn't take any. And I can't remember what they were, but I do remember thinking, I have not got good presents this year if like, that burglar <laughs> didn't want them. What my parents lacked in creating the magic Christmas, though, they more than made up for in Christmas decorations, as I've mentioned before, like in no way tasteful. Like we never, ever had a real tree. And my dad would get so carried away that one year you couldn't see the white of the ceiling because of its endless crisscrosses of tinsel and homemade paper chains. And when they were taken down after Christmas, the room looked so stark and bare in comparison. It was like living in one of those solitary confinement prison cells. Like it felt like that for a good week afterwards. Christmas as an older teenager and in my early 20s were all about going to the Grand in Christmas Eve, which was then quite a famous pub in Leon C. It's closed down now. And I feel like I should probably have lots of happy memories of being there, you know, arm in arm with my friends while singing along to Slade. But all I can remember is the Christmas Eve where I had a big crush on Glenn Hipple. And word had got back to me that he was interested too. And I was standing outside with my friends at the end and he was there and it it really felt like something finally was going to happen. And then my friend Emma Debenham did a human beatbox and I did a rap along to it. What? I know. And midway through what I considered being a lyrical masterpiece worthy of Coolio. But what was more actually just me going, I was walking down the street looking at my feet. (laughs) I saw Glenn Hipple walk off and go home. My rap killed my love. Oh, Annabelle, that's it's so, it's so tragic. That's a very sad Christmas story, isn't it? Sad, I know. What a, What about if Glenn Hipple? If anybody knows Glenn Hipple, <laughs> yeah. uh, is the I mean, what is is it derelict now? The Grand is it? I think it's got turned into some kind of uh, hotel or something. What if he met you outside there? Yeah. 
on Christmas Eve. Yeah, yeah. And you could do a new rap for him. <laughs> I don't know. I think it, I just think he didn't want to get out, so he did re rap. <laughs> his his loss. His massive loss, and obviously I'm completely over it now. <laughs> So I'm not crazy about Christmas, but what always makes me feel better is something my old hairdresser once told me, that he cuts the hair of someone who works in the police force. And they said you would be amazed about how many cutlery stabbings at Christmas dinner they get called out to. Happens all the time, wow. he says. Yeah. Wow. So we all hate it, really, which makes me feel much better. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port in a show called Adrift. Oh, Annabelle, your Christmas story was quite sad in parts, I thought. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm just thinking if there are any children who are listening to this with mm. their parents, and mm. hello to you if you are, they'll be mm. feeling sad that Santa wasn't allowed to come to your house. I know, terrible. Your mum and dad kept him away. Yeah, they wanted all the glory for themselves. Did they put up a sign saying, no Santa... No Santa today, no presents today, like you do for the milkman. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Um, I was thinking about my dad during that. And um, my, my dad grew up in a family with no money. He grew up in prefabs, the prefabricated housing they threw up after the war, and there were loads of them. So there was no money about. But one thing he did every week, he went to, I guess it would have been a local church or something, and they had a brass band, and he got to join in in this brass band, and he, he tooted on some kind of horn or whatever it wasn't his own it was one that was there mm. so he got it into his head that that christmas what he'd love more than anything would be a trumpet mm-hmm. so he he told his parents uh my grandparents that's what he wanted from santa and they said with a wink you know well we'll see see what happens so he got very excited thinking christmas day it's gonna roll around i'll get myself a trumpet and then i can learn to play the trumpet and be in the brass band properly christmas day morning comes yeah comes downstairs there is a trumpet shaped package under the tree yeah he unwraps it yeah and it's like some plastic not real oh, trumpet like some toy thing oh, that would have breaking. cost pennies oh. so he tells this story about then he sort of went into his room and threw himself onto the bed and just oh, like sobbed oh, all day and he awful. and he doesn't really like christmas dad doesn't like christmas yeah so anyway i mentioned this because when i first started earning a bit of money when it rolled around to Christmas, I thought, I know what I'm going to do. Oh. I'm going to buy my dad a trumpet. Yeah. So I went oh. to a music shop and I got a really nice brand new trumpet. And I even did a bit of research as to where he'd be able to go and have trumpet lessons yeah. if he wanted to do that as a hobby. So I uh, I gave it to him on Christmas Day. No- nothing really. <laughs> I mean, no. Yeah. no. <laughs> I don't think it's ever been out of its box. Oh, he didn't... He didn't. You want him to cry, don't you? Yeah, well, that's what I was hoping I for. Wanted. I was hoping it at all. You know, my dad isn't a man who is prone to crying. He's not one for showing emotion. Um, as, right. I've, as I've mentioned before, like if I ever try to hug him, he'll say, bugger off, what are you, queer? <laughs> and like, not, I have to explain, dad, not only is that homophobic, but I think you're... You, you've got a bit of a lack of awareness of how these things work. I think these relationships tend not to be father-son. <laughs> Oh, what does he say when you say that? Oh, he just That's rolls his eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um but yeah, that's that that was that's my sad Christmas story. Oh. I don't know what's sadder, my dad as a boy not getting the trumpet he thought he was getting, or me as an adult <laughs> thinking I am going to really resolve some pain from his childhood by by buying him this trumpet mm. instead of just like looking at the man he is and thinking, of course that's how he's gonna respond. Yeah. Um after we finish recording the podcast today. We're going to go downstairs, Mm -hmm. we're going to um, sit in front of the Christmas tree and we're going to make a video for our Patreon supporters as a little Christmas thank you. Mm -hmm. So uh, you'll be able to watch that if you are one of our Patreon supporters. If you're not, then why not consider it? Just a a bit of pocket money every month to support the podcast. If you enjoy it, why not go go to the next level of our relationship and support us too. Uh, Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com stroke adrift and just by way of a teaser mm. i thought i can ask you about some of the questions we'll be answering oh yeah i've got a few to tell you here what about this one jeff which podcast do you prefer doing adrift or reasons to be cheerful don't answer it now <laughs> uh this one which is what did jeff's parents make of him having an american wife don't answer it now <laughs> and 
Which quality do you hope your child will inherit from you? And which quality do you pray they won't inherit from you? <laughs> oh, well, I'm looking forward to getting stuck mm. into these. We'll be filming that after the uh, after the podcast today, and then we'll get it online as soon as we can before Christmas. If you would like to see it, then you must support us, patreon.com stroke adrift. Please join me in this bubble that has been forever locked in the glass by the blower. It's, it's their breath. It's horrible. Adrift. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. I'm going to be honest with you, there's no incident this week. Now, that, there was an incident in my life this week, but the trouble is we're recording this just a few days before Christmas and it's impossible to find anybody mm. who, will, <coughs> excuse me, who will try and solve my problems for me. But do you want me to tell you what it, what it would have been? I could solve your problem for you. Well, let's see how that goes then. <laughs> Probably not very well. Um, so I was in Manchester working at the weekend mm-hmm. and... I'd been doing a bit of messaging on Twitter with an old friend of mine who I've literally not seen in 15 years, and we decided to go for a cup of tea. Okay. So it's this friend of mine, Denise, and uh, I say, look, I'm free all day. You name a place, I'll be there. So she names this particular cafe at two o'clock. Mm-hmm. So I I'm, I'm tend to be quite a punctual person, mm-hmm. so I'm there just before two. I sit and get a cup of tea and I wait for her. Two o'clock comes. Then it gets to 10 past two, which I think you're now getting into the grey area of lateness where really, you know, you should text or message somebody to to say that I'm running late. Yeah. So this is 10 past two. Yeah. We'd arranged to meet at two. I haven't got any message from her, yeah. but I do look look at her Twitter feed. Mm. And eight minutes ago, yeah. i.e. two minutes past two, yeah. she's tweeting about a football match she's watching. Oh, God. <laughs> Wow, social media is a wonderful thing. Okay, so what did you do? <laughs> of course, I didn't mention it, but should I have mentioned it? Is it okay? Because people say there is a window of lateness which is acceptable, which is 15 minutes. Yeah. So if she wants to stay watching football and be late within the window, is that okay? I find out from Annabelle in this week's <laughs> The Incident. <laughs> She, did she turn up eventually? Yes. Oh, she did? Yeah, she t- turned up just before quarter past, I think. Oh, okay. So so she was, she was still within the acceptable window right, of lateness. Right, I mean, not watching... that I, I don't think it's acceptable, but people do. Where was she watching football that she could get to you so quickly at home? In a house, because I met her uh, in a, a cafe around the corner from oh, her I house. I see. She could have invited you to her house, couldn't she? Yeah, but I, I never love going to people's houses. What? I love it. I love snooping, yes. but I, I, I find it difficult to leave. You know, you have to take, it's, you know, it's it's very, I guess, nebulous to use a word that's been knocking around at the moment. Right. Do you see, do you see what I yeah, mean? Yeah, it's, yeah. You don't get as, what I like is to meet somebody where the bill comes mm. and then it's time to leave. There's an ending. Yeah. 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 And I can, I can, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Did you not mention that you knew why she was late because it looked like you were sort of investigating her? Yeah, of course. I, didn't <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I totally get that because it looks a little bit like I'm going to catch her. <laughs> uh, yes, that makes total sense. Well, then, of course, you can't mention it, can you? But what can you say? Who was in the right? Who was in the right? Don't ruin my Christmas by telling me it's her. You were in the right. Yeah. Of course it's you. <laughs> This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Germans. Drift. A couple of um, unconnected things which are jotted down for this week's podcast. Mm-hmm. None of them take place on a, on a train, actually. Okay. Uh, I know in recent weeks it's all been about my various intercity train <laughs> journeys. But uh, but not this week. Although, actually, technically, this did happen on a train. I was on a tube okay. earlier today, yeah. and it was really busy when I got on. And I'm standing up against a guy who I can see has got 
a big phone, so not quite an iPad, but do you know those larger phones? Yeah, yeah. And he's drawing on it with a stylus. Oh, yeah. And I try to look what he's doing, and he's drawing a portrait of somebody just across the way on the tube. Oh, really? So I think, oh, that's impressive. I'm looking at it. He's a good drawer. Then then the carriage thins out after a couple of stops. I sit down, and he sits down opposite me. And if I don't sit there trying to look wistful and have an interesting expression on my face, oh. just in the hope that he's going to draw a picture of me... <laughs> You want to look like interesting and yeah, it's, it's, the perfect subject. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly that. So, uh, so that was that, and um, and then there's, there's nothing really in this one. But uh, when I was in Manchester the other day, I went out for dinner with my best friend Chris and his family. And as the waiter sat us down in the restaurant, he said, "Enjoy your stay." Oh, that's, I think it's just a strange conf- choice of language. That's what you say at a hotel. Yes, he's confused. I don't, th- I don't think of a meal as a stay, <laughs> no. even though technically you are staying. There for a period of time. You leave, when you leave, you'd have to say, "Well, thank you for my stay." Like, <laughs> yeah, oh, nice stay. Did yeah. you enjoy your stay? Yeah. Um, and then the, the other the other thing that I thought I'd mention uh, is I got an Uber this morning, mm. and I saw the guy's name, and it was familiar to me. It was an unusual unusual name, and I thought, "Oh, it's this guy. I've seen him a couple of times before." But I genuinely couldn't remember the last time I saw him. So I get in and say, hi, how are you? And he says, I'm fine. How are you? How's the baby? So I say, oh, he's two and a half. Now he's uh, he's just had his tonsils and adenoids out. And he says, oh, yeah, you told me that last week. Oh, no. So then I feel really bad that I didn't remember that I'd seen him the previous week. Yeah. And in the feeling really bad, he's sort of saying something about the operation or whatever it is. Then I remember the conversation I'd had with him and his car had been in some kind of accident. Oh, no. And uh, he, was in a, he was in some kind of feud with the insurance company. So as he's speaking about... <laughs> the, the, my son having his tonsils out, I go, how's the car? Like, so you, I do remember you, I do remember you. <laughs> it was exactly that, yeah, like, yeah. desperately trying yeah. to prove to him that I'd been paying attention as well. Yeah. And then, like, every every bit, every bit of the conversation, there was then, yeah, yeah, I remember you saying that to me. <laughs> then, yes, it's like you were saying last week. What was it? Wednesday, it was Wednesday, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you know where you're going, it doesn't matter if the location is going in that same direction, because you're already... Making the move. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port are adrift. And time now for Christmas Quandary Corner at the festive Glap Clinic in the Yuletide Problematic. You see? Very nice. You can do very subtly turning it into a Christmas themed podcast. Uh, This is where you write to us if you found yourself in a social situation and you want to know what the correct behaviour should be. Yes, so the first one is from Alan. Alan. I have a question for the rule school about Netflix usage with the in-laws visit. My wife gave birth to our daughter six weeks ago, so my in-laws have come to visit twice so far for extended weekend stays. We haven't had regular TV service for years using Netflix, Amazon or buying a series on iTunes when needed. So my mother-in-law feels cut off from her usual programming when she comes to staying. Since she doesn't have any streaming services and doesn't know the shows available, on her last two visits she's asked us what we've seen lately that we liked. On her first visit I thought she was just asking to make conversation, but an hour later she began binge-watching one of the series we had talked about. It was the only thing she would watch over the four days she was here, and since we had seen it only a month ago I generally avoided the living room as I didn't want to watch it again. On her second visit, she asked again and we made some recommendations, but I suggested she watch something that none of us had seen before so that it was new to everyone. She said, nope, she wanted to see something she'd already, we already had so that she'd know it was worth watching. And if she didn't finish it before she left, we could tell her how things wrapped up. <laughs> <laughs> she then spent the next three days watching two series my wife and I had watched since her last visit. She's coming again before Christmas. How do I handle this situation to maintain family harmony over the holidays? I'd rather not spend another weekend ex- exiled from my living room because it's a bodyguard marathon and I only fi- finished watching last week. <laughs> All my best. Happy holidays to you and your families. Alan, I think my title is ambassador, but sadly, I've lost the email telling me what I am, lol. Oh, no. Alan, I've checked. You are ambassador, Alan. That's good to know. I mean, I, I would just assume that people were printing out and laminating or framing these things changing their business cards etc i'm kind of yes, shocked yes yeah, uh so so i think she's being very passive aggressive 
She's been quite selfish. I think she's punishing you for not having terrestrial TV. Oh, do you think she's... Oh, when she goes home, does she bitch to her friends? You would not believe this. They don't have terrestrial television. They don't, she would say they don't have television. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I do think that's an interesting topic of conversation, the things that other people say about you behind your back. Oh, God. So I'm convinced, based on some stuff in my mother-in-law's last visit, that for the few years that we've lived here, probably five years almost at this point, that her and my father-in-law have had many conversations about how ridiculous it is that Sarah and I kept our oils in a drawer. You know, like olive oil and vinegars and things. laid down? Yes. That is weird. Yeah, so I think that, I mean, I just think they've talked and talked and talked (laughs) about this drawer. (laughs) Because basically when Lynn came the last time, she very kindly reorganised all our kitchen cupboards for us. And the first thing she did was get rid of the oil drawer. And has it gone back? No, no, oh, no, right. no. She's oh. she's got a good system going. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, anyway, on to this. Uh, it is a difficult. I think this is this is more difficult than usual uh, because I do think some of the weight of responsibility is on you for not having terrestrial TV. Could you not provide her with maybe some kind of? Do you have anything else you could watch it on, like a computer or a laptop, any kind of? Because you iPad? can, you can watch the, the BBC phone. live on a phone or on an oh. iPad or on a laptop. Oh you? yeah, I, I meant watching these like Netflix stuff, but yeah, of course you can. You can say, "Oh look, I've got the BBC up for you," because she mm. probably likes to watch things as they go out live anyway, doesn't she? Yeah. Because one of the passive aggressive things my mother in law does is if we put something on, if she doesn't want to watch it, uh, <laughs> she will often take a chair and put it so it's facing away from the television. <laughs> but right in front of the television right. and then sit reading and saying, oh, I'm not interested. Don't worry about me. I can read my book. Right, right. We're right in your view. Yeah. yeah. And then if, you know, sometimes she say, oh, this is really good. We'll watch it. And then she said, she'll say that she can't understand what they're saying because of the British accents. No. Yeah. Really? They put subtitles on. I had, yeah. I think uh, it is difficult though when people come to stay of different generations and you might not like the same kind of thing. So it, it is tricky, but hold on, he's got... He's got a six-week-old. Like, why is he not going to bed at eight o'clock? <laughs> That's what I was doing. He's going to bed at like half seven, eight. Like, and it's a perfect excuse. I like, just say, "Oh, I'm absolutely exhausted. I'm going to bed." Yeah. So, have we? Have we? I mean, this is this what we're that. telling him to I'd go say, to bed? Go, go to bed with your laptop if you've got one, or your phone, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Or your book, <laughs> and leave her to it. Yeah. There we go. All right, there and the go. the final one of the year then. Okay, from Gareth. My wife and I are currently planning a party for our daughter in the new year. Invites have gone out and we've had lots of replies. However, our daughter gave out lots of invites herself to her friends at school. Many of these we suspect are still stuck at the bottom of school bags as most haven't replied. Here's where it gets awkward. My wife is on a WhatsApp group for all the mums in our daughter's school year. This is often used to ask questions regarding homework, bus times, activities and parties. Not every child was invited to the party. There are over a 100 children in the year. But my wife asked the question to those who were if they could RSVP. Lots of people did. The message worked. But some mums whose children hadn't been invited and therefore didn't have an invite replied with rude comments that the forum shouldn't be used in this way unless it's for all children, despite several other months having done exactly the same thing in the past. Were we in the wrong? We don't have the contact details for each child or their parents. Should we have driven to the school and hung out on the playground trying to identify children and ask if they're coming to a party? The school isn't local. Our daughter travels some distance to get there. And so we're not super familiar with all who all her friends are. Should we have kept insisting our daughter repeatedly ask her friends to reply until they finally remember to ask their parents or were we right in using the WhatsApp group? Surely, if you didn't get an invite, you'd just think, oh, that message isn't for me and move on. That's what we do. It's a WhatsApp group with over 100 people in it. Not everything talked about has to affect you. You may be able to tell I'm getting increasingly frustrated (laughs) by this. But my wife now feels she has to leave the group and feels very awkward about the children that haven't been invited. I'd love to know what we should do. Ignore the negative messages or reply. And if so, what to say? Many thanks, Gareth. Oh, this is a difficult one. So, uh... Gareth is pretty head up about this as we can hear. I can hear that. So, here's here's the thing. So, I, as a parent, understand that not all kids get invited to every party. Mm. And if we get to an age where Jean has a party, 
I understand we won't be inviting every child. However, I do think I would feel slighted if my child personally yeah. wasn't invited to a party because we're all sort of biologically programmed yeah, to yeah. think ours is the greatest kid. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, why wouldn't why wouldn't you invite him to a party? He's the best one. That's what this is all about. They yeah. don't care yeah. what this what's like. Who cares if you get a few extra messages? They care that their child wasn't invited. But yes, that's what it really is, yeah. yeah. And and it's it's simultaneously stupid that they feel like that yeah and the most natural thing in the world that they feel like that yes so how do we how do we reconcile those two things then because i I understand what gareth's saying he's saying they genuinely feel they explored all their options the only way to find out was to use this whatsapp group Mm. so what do you think i think he's in the right and they're and i understand why they're in the wrong why they did it but they're in the wrong and he should just forget about it and I wouldn't leave the WhatsApp group and I would just never mention it again and just move on and pretend it never happened. It's, I mean, really, I think 99% of the things we talk about here mm. could be answered by saying just pretend it never happened and moved on. That's the only way to deal with life. <laughs> it is. It is. Pretend well, it never happened, move on. Well, I think that is a, a very nice piece of advice on which to end the year. <laughs> And here we are in the festive outro. After we finish this, we will be going downstairs and answering the questions on the video for the Patreon supporters. Uh, if you would like to see it, support us at patreon.com stroke adrift. And, um, you know, if you haven't sent us a Christmas card, then why not send us a story over the holidays that we can then use on the podcast next year? Email hello at adriftpodcast.com. Thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music. Their debut album would make an excellent oh, Christmas present, it wouldn't would, it? Yeah. yeah. If you haven't already got it, you can tell somebody to get it for you. And thanks to Emily Harrison for the incidental music during the mini incident with Annabelle this week. Mm. I know that was, uh, you know... Uh, Brilliant. <laughs> what? What were you going to say? Half-baked. It was a half-baked <laughs> way to end the year, but there, there you go. But it wasn't. You are quite right, Annabelle. Mm. Um, Vince Lynch and Simon Wilcox... Our announcers made the eye dents. Patrick Gunning and Iwana Babu provided the technical support. Carla Gowlett took the photos. Kim Rainey made the artwork. And uh, is, is there anything else? Anybody else we should thank? So. No, Annabelle, you're wrong because we should thank our subscribers for listening to the podcast. Oh, thanks for making me look like I've forgotten. Them. <laughs> throughout the year thank you um we really appreciate you continuing uh, continuing to download it and the the stories as i mentioned before are always the highlight of us recording the podcast every week so thank you very much um have a wonderful christmas uh, you and yours simply have a wonderful christmas time Mm, have yourself a merry little christmas so this is christmas that doesn't work Anything to add? No. All right, we'll leave it there then. Adrift. Adrift. Podication time. So let's have a look at these then. This comes from Gary Hamilton, who says, Dear Jeff and Annabelle, as a long-time listener of you both via Adrift and also during your former lives on the radio, I have finally plucked up the courage to write and request a podication for myself. Me. I, mean, I can't imagine you know anybody else who listens, Gary, so Very it's understandable. Yeah. Um, I feel I deserve one for making it safely to my little bolt hole where Annabelle's new book was waiting to be read and enjoyed. Guys, you may remember me as the overexcited guest you welcomed to sit in on one of your final radio shows and then take part in that red carpet photo shoot for the book. Oh, yeah, you took the photo, didn't you? I did, yeah. 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 I have very good photography skills. Excellent. Um, I've just returned from the Sudan. I didn't realise you still called it the Sudan. Well, he'd know. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah I, 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 that's why I said I didn't realise. Yeah, yeah. I didn't say, Gary, <laughs> it's not called the Sudan. <laughs> I thought they'd drop the the, but, you know, I, I, I stand corrected. No, I, I don't know. Who knows? Well, I'm, I'm guessing Gary knows. Gary yeah. knows, Gary knows. Uh, where I joined a group 
a great group, in fact, of fellow travellers on what's generally known as the Kingdom of the Black Pharaoh's Tour of the Desert Areas North of Khartoum. All was going well, and we were preparing for our last night in the desert, where we were still about 50 kilometres from the nearest road. We were camping on a sandy uh, plateau, about five kilometres from the last temples we visited. The daytime temperature had been 47 degrees Celsius, oh. uh, and it was still in the mid-30s. About 11pm, when we're all in our tents, I felt the need to go into the bush for you-know-what. Mm. And being quite a reserved type, I wandered further away from uh, camp than clearly I should have done, wearing only boxer shorts and sandals along with a head torch. <laughs> That's quite That's the quite, yeah. <laughs> uh, I pressed on too far until, tearing my left big toe on a thorn bush, I stumbled, stumbled backwards and fell into a random ditch, winding myself and losing my torch. Oh, After what seemed like an age, I located the torch and believing I recognised one of the flat top hills in the distance, I stumbled off towards it. After a period of time, I realised my error and thought, oh dear. <laughs> I called out at the top of my already very dry throat in all directions, but heard nothing back from anyone else at the campsite. Knowing I had about six hours to get through before first light, all I could do was find somewhere to sit down. I couldn't rest my back on anything, as the only bushes were the thorny types that I'd already met. I passed the next few hours sitting cross-legged in the sand, either in silence or passed the time reciting out loud every episode I could recall of the original <laughs> Doctor Who series in order. Amazing. About two in the morning, the temperature dropped so much and the wind picked up that I was starting to shiver, so I had no choice but to dig a shallow grave in the sand to get through the night. No sleep was possible, but I enjoyed watching the various satellites glide past and counting the few planes crossing the sky. My throat was now dry as a bone, and I was aware that once the sun came up, I would not have long before it became too uncomfortable. Once daylight appeared, I started to wander off trying to locate the camp, or at least the tyre tracks of our vehicle. Finding neither... Neither. Uh, I eventually saw the temple complex in the distance and stumbled towards it, finding no one there or any sign of life and having no access to the water at the close-by nomad well. I carried on in an increasingly alarmed state toward the park's gatehouse. Here, two Sudanese men were sleeping on beds under the stars. I alarmed them greatly by banging two <laughs> pots together. <laughs> I found, found as I approached them. You should have seen their bewildered faces as a slightly stressed European male clad only in underwear approached them. Not my best look. After trying to explain what had happened and drinking a lot of water, the senior of the two men um, route marched me back to my where my camp was just as my fellow travellers were awaking, none the wiser to my recent woes. My desert guide had been most eloquent and amused by my story, and it was once back in Khartoum, a local guide showed me YouTube footage. Of, uh, YouTube, sorry, I thought they got YouTube footage of him staggering by those two pots there. It's, it's um, a YouTube footage of this man who just happened to be one of Sudan's leading experts on antiques. Oh, wow. Uh, I hope this sorry tale amuses other drifters. Kind regards, Major Gary Hamilton, Patreon supporter. That's so good. Good. It's an amazing story, isn't it? Yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you, Gary. And then this one from Rachel Hendrick, who says, Hello, Jeff and Annabelle. Hello. This is the second time I've written to you. The first being a podcast many, many years ago when you were still on the radio and I still lived in Brooklyn. I think I remember that because I think it was feeling, I started ranting about how jealous I was of Rachel. Oh, no. I think. Um, oh, the good old days. At the time, I thought dedicating a podcast to myself was going to be fun, but it was truly mortifying and could only listen to half of it before I had switched to something else. Oh. Just hearing my name and words read out oh. was too much to hear. I may have self-esteem issues. I, know, I never really like listening to myself. But I know I get that. Just like, yeah, like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's with great trepidation that I write again. But it is lovely to hear your voices again. I started listening to the show when you're on Virgin Radio, then Absolute Radio. Annabelle, that's almost a compliment. Oh, Why God, like, they out? totally yeah. got through. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Uh, I only listen for my daily... Just our dis voices, though. Yeah, it true, doesn't true. say they're good. No, or what you're saying. Just is a of familiarity, interest, yeah. yeah. Uh, I only listen for my daily dose of Britpop, but then when the station shut out American IPs, I found I missed you and got hooked on the podcast. Then life happened and I didn't have time to listen except once in a while. So I was very surprised to find that you'd quit traditional radio, gotten married, divorced, had kids, and generally moved on with your lives. I feel some kinship because that's 
that's what I'd been doing too, except the quitted radio, divorce and dog parts. But I'm still young. Oh, plenty of time. Um, I was very concerned for about 24 hours for Annabelle uh, when I heard she'd broken up with her husband. I think that's about the same length of time for me. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, I knew you were moving to bigger and better things and look at you now, Annabelle. Yeah, more yeah. Right, yeah. Um, that was dangerously close to being sincere, a bit of sincerity Nearly. that, wasn't I it? I brushed it off, don't worry. Yeah. yeah. Um, I somehow missed the boyfriend and the new baby part, but I kept listening and see now that all is well. Yeah. I'm happy to hear Lyca's still around and Rusty, the teddy bear king, he's firm but fair, is a welcome addition. I hope they will make an appearance if they haven't already. I'm at episode seven. Some things, however, never change. I may have moved to Connecticut and become a mom, but I still don't know anyone else no. who listens to your show. Yeah. My husband doesn't get it. <laughs> And I'm not sure my five-year-old is quite ready cognitively to understand the very best of British humour. <laughs> Maybe we'll do my father's method and start him on Benny Hill. Mm. I can't bear the loneliness of dedicating another podcast to myself, so may I dedicate it to you? Aww. You may. That's nice. He says it's been a real delight getting back in touch. Well, it's, it's great. I love it when people come back to the fold. Yeah, it's nice. Prodigal sons and daughters. Come back. You're always welcome yeah. in our arms. I mean, we'd rather you not leave in the first place. And don't touch me. <laughs> uh, P.S. Oh. <laughs> Go on. It says, P.S. If I may give a oh. tiny criticism of the show, post your email address somewhere. I have a master's degree in finding stuff on the internet. That's what we call a degree in li librarianship here in the States. Um, and it took me forever to find it. Also, mm. Annabelle should do her American accent more often. Uh, she sounds like a Brazilian currently living in Beverly Hills who learned English in the Bronx. It's both oh. confusing and inspired. Why, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I, th I don't... I, I never think about putting the email address. I mean, firstly, where would we put it? On the Facebook page or something? Maybe. Yeah. But I've always had it in my head that if you put your email address on the internet then it gets loads of spam oh. like spam bots is going along scraping up email addresses yeah, yeah. Um, but maybe i'm wrong i mean other people seem to do fine <laughs> we need some kind of contact form don't we we don't get any spam though so what you did is right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Rachel, good to have you back. So the latest edition of the podcast dedicated to Rachel. No, to us. To us. Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's, let's have it. Come I don't on. want to embarrass you by dedicating it to you, Rachel. No, uh, and to uh, to the major, Gary Hamilton. And uh, have a wonderful Christmas and New Year. And we'll be back, I guess, the first week of January. Yep. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina.